Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Promise, and you're listening to Dare Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the Word, Kyla, can you open us up in prayer? Yes, I can. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for today, God, and we thank you for the strength that you give us and that you renew us day by day. Lord, I just ask that you keep our listeners and you strengthen them, God, and allow them to see the glory and the majesty that that you are, God. We just welcome you into our midst, and we thank you for today, God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, and good morning, everybody. I don't know about y'all, but I'm definitely enjoying the study in Jude. And um, I say that even even though there's a lot of very serious um, topics and, I'll say, content that we're discussing and handling here in the Word. Uh, I mean, that's the entirety of the Word, yes. There is a reference that it must be treated with. Well, it's also, remember, these things were written for our life and so that we would have life more abundantly. All right? So, let's continue. Uh, Can I get a volunteer to read from verses 12 through 16, please? I will. All right, Layla. It says, These are spots in your love feast, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which the ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to open the floor to you guys to share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to each of you. And, of course, if there's any questions, to please ask. All right? Who'd like to begin? I will. All right, Charles. Um, I found it interesting where it's talking about late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. That just reminded me of the second death, how we first died naturally, not everybody, but you have the option to go to heaven without having to actually die. But most people say that you die, then you die again if you didn't make it to heaven. It just reminded me of that and how also what I think was getting at here is that the roots are your spirit. Whereas this natural body may die, you continue to live on with Christ. But once the spirit is dead, which has all the life inside of it, that is when you die the second time because that's a more permanent death. And the Lord is just showing me that it's the same. If our spirits are clean inside of us, then we don't have to worry about 
anything else about our like eyes doing stuff that it's not supposed to do or sinning. If we have a clean spirit, we don't have to worry about that stuff because we've already <coughs> given it to Christ. But if that is dirty inside of us, well, actually, can you guys go with me to Matthew? I have to find it real quick. Okay. What are you looking for? We're just talking about if you're. Oh, I have uh, I'm right there. Matthew 5.27. Where is it, sir? Matthew, it's in Matthew 5.27. Okay. Is that what you're talking about, LaCharles? Or are you talking about the eye being full of light? The, the eye being full of light. The eye the body? Let's look that up real quick. Okay, you can keep telling us what you're thinking. I'm going to look it up. It's in Matthew six twenty two. That's right, and Luke eleven thirty four. Um, what I was saying was that if you have a clean spirit, and how your natural body is more so just a vessel in which your spirit resides, all the there's a difference. When you're not in Christ, your spirit's not awakened and you're living off your soul. And that's what's driving you. But when we are awakened to Christ, our spirit should be the driving force behind us. Meaning that we shouldn't be listening just to our natural minds and what our physical body is telling us. But we should be listening to exactly what the Lord is telling us through our spirits. And it just reminded me of how while we... Many people view this natural body as this is it. We have to protect this. Actually, that is not the most important thing is to protect your spirit because there's people who can kill your um, body here in the natural, but they cannot kill, kill the spirit, mm -hmm. which the Lord has the ability to throw into hell. And that just reminds me of hearing how a tree, how he was, Jude was describing how a tree dies twice and then it's plucked up by the roots. It just reminded me of that. Mm -hmm. And then I also want to talk about verse 12. There are spots in your love feast while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. That just reminded me of how I can admit for my own thing. Sometimes if I'm really hungry, I just go serve myself and start <laughs> eating. Mm hmm but this does not show brotherly kindness. It just shows that you are selfish and only think of yourself. There's a difference between serving others. We should all be serving each other. There shouldn't be just one person trying to serve everybody. But we should all be willing to serve with each other and to do it in kindness and as a group. Mm -hmm. And this just reminds me of how... We have to have an open hand. I we were doing a devotional. I thought it was Jonathan Can. He was talking about how a closed fist can closed fist can neither receive anything or give anything away. But one that is open, you can both take and receive. That's how we should be in our lives. We should always have our hand open to give to others and to bless others with. Because once you're doing that, then the Lord will be able to bless you. But if you're constantly grasping that one thing, the Lord can give you nothing else. Mm -hmm. Okay. Amen. 
Do you think he's also talking about um, people's motives? Yes. Serving yourself. I mean, we've been talking about the apostates and people that have snuck in amongst the brethren for purposes other than that to glorify God. And so do you think maybe he's discussing um, people that have come in to fellowship among the believers, but their motives aren't pure and they are self-serving in nature? Yes. Okay. How is that applicable? How how should you view that um, piece of information that for your own personal life? Meaning when I'm doing something, I go with it, go with the moment the motive of seeking the Lord, not just seeing what I can get out of the situation, but doing it because the Lord told me to go do it. Because in that, I'll be both blessed and give a blessing to somebody else. When you're obedient to God, it not only blesses you in the moment, but it also blesses somebody else. Like if Jesus had not done exactly what the Lord told him to do, none of us would have salvation. It was a blessing to him because he was able to fill everything that the Lord had predestined for him. And it was a blessing to us. And how after that, after he is risen on high and is in heaven, we can still continue to bless him with our actions and know that he knows that we are truly grateful for what he has done. Okay. Amen. Go ahead, Layla. Um, in this... Verses 12 through 16, it, it just kind of reminded me of yesterday. We were talking about Proverbs eleven twenty five, and it says, um, or 24, sorry. There is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, and it leads to poverty. And you see here, these people that are serving only themselves are clouds with, without water, which means they're useless, Um there are trees without fruit, which again means they're useless. And there are trees without roots, which still means they can't do anything useful. And now they are ways of the sea foaming up their own shame. So making it known to the whole world. And the, the deal with that and my point in bringing up Proverbs 20, uh, eleven twenty four was to say, when you're only concerned about me and what I can get and what I can do and how that could gain an advantage like those grumblers and complainers um, listed later in verse 16, you're withholding from yourself and from others what's right, and you can't flourish that way. It leads to poverty, both physically, like financially, if you will, and spiritually. But when you scatter, when you do things as unto the Lord and give your all to him, that's when you get true richness. That's when you have everything that you need and that and you can in turn then bless others but as long as you try to go me myself and i you will fall short and find yourself lacking in things that you need i've experienced that myself um dealing with my siblings and dealing with other people that i would try to take and keep more than what was my fair share and it caused me to lack later like the children with the manna in the wilderness. Those who gathered more than they needed didn't have when the morning came, but those that gathered only what they needed still had some left over. So as you go through life, take what's yours. Yes, take God's blessing, but don't steal from other people and in turn cause yourself to be stolen from. Hmm. Okay. Um, 
the ones that gathered what they were supposed to had enough. Yes. For what they needed. Um, God was very purposeful in saying, don't leave anything left over. They get bread maggots and stank mm-hmm. um, in that time overnight. Um, also, remember that these are people that were among them at some point. That's what the apostate is, right? Yes. Yes. One who has turned away. And motivation is very important to the Lord. He always leaves a clear path for us to follow. And it is clear because God is a good God. He doesn't make it hard for us to perceive or understand him. The difficulty comes in when we have our own desires or our own um, perceptions that have to be wrangled and brought into alignment with what God says is the right way and the right plan or path to take. But at some point, these, these people have become empty of their purpose, empty of the will and the plan of God. And it's just a, a reminder, like you said, Layla, you've seen, you can see the, how that has manifested itself in your life at previous times. So what does that mean for you today? That you should probably watch over it, right? Yes. And make sure that that's an area that you rule over sin because that's something that was a prevalent stumbling block for me. Okay. And it also meant that you had to take the effort and time to mature yourself as a, in our natural flesh, we're, we're growing physically, whether our emotional mental state grows with it, the body continues to grow unless of course, if there's some kind of um, disparity or deformity that causes a person not to to physically grow, but even that person grows some. So while the body will continue to grow, it's our job to make sure that we stay on track with God's heart, his perspective, his motivation, his direction, and his counsel. And it doesn't happen automatically. These people may have started off with um, like the, the, the sower, when he sowed among the thorns and the tares, it sprung up, but the cares of the world choked the life out of it. Or it was sown among stony ground, so it didn't have a deep root system. When the heat came, it dried up and withered because it wasn't able to sustain. And I think we talked about um, yesterday, when you come into Christ, Christ, remember that this is a marathon planned to be with him for the long haul, not just for a short term. So when we plan and position ourselves on, I'm going to finish this race, God, however this life, however long my lifetime is, and yes, we believe it'll be long and we'll be satisfied with good things and long days, I'm here from today till forever. And guarding your heart to make sure that your motivations before Jesus Christ remain pure and you continue to walk with him and not become a cloud without water. Or, you know, foaming, foaming sea and wandering stars. And that's an interesting comparison. He compared those two. The stars from whom is reserved blackness and of darkness forever. That's the, the angels that left their previous place. Yeah, their abode with God. Their rightful positioning. So, that's a clue to us how important it is to God and in his justice, he gives us all the opportunity because he's a good God. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to come to repentance 
And he doesn't take away the chance, even though he knows what we will choose and where we will stumble. And he knows when we will have victory and triumph. But he doesn't take away the opportunity to choose. But it doesn't change the fact that the choice remains ours and ours alone. He gives us every bit of advice, every bit of help and every tool, like the big pointing, flashing signs and arrows and the yellow brick road. And it's got the landing lights next to it, everything that we can need. But he still doesn't make us walk that road. We have to choose to walk and to remain on that path. So thank you, Layla. You're welcome. Who else has something they want to share? I do. All right, promise. Let's hear it, sir. The Lord's bringing to my attention verse 16, where it said, These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they, and they mouth great swung, swung words, flattering people to gain advantage. And, yeah, just that verse. And the Lord showed me that with that, you const when they do that, it's not. So the Lord showed me that with that, when they're trying to make you come into the sin or like, a, oh, sin is just so great. Like what they do in commercials, like <laughs> they break open something and go, mm, so good. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing right here. And you have to go. That's not good because the word says this and this and this and that. That's that's true. You have to look at what's being presented, examine it according to the word of God, and see where it measures up. And then you make your choice to stick and adhere to what God says. Right? Yes. Um, the purpose of that the enemy operates by and his purpose of sin is to entice and draw away from the plan of God, right? Yes. So we should both be aware of the traps of the enemy to not fall into them, but also be aware not to become one, a trap for someone else, right? Yes. I think re- uh, recently we had our, our popcorn fundraiser and God is okay with us doing business or selling things. But in the course of doing business, does he want me to manipulate someone? No. no. Okay, and try to extract things from them and get over on them? No, of course not. But does it change? As I'm, so as I'm going about my business, carrying out the fundraiser, selling popcorn and interacting with people, when there, there were times people were like, well, I don't really know. And I had the option. I mean, I remember one one case in particular standing in the hallway and the enemy flashed across my mind. Oh, look, you can get that. You can go ahead and make that sale. And I said, no, I rebuked that in the name of Jesus. And then I said, oh, no, it's okay. That's okay. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Because I didn't truly want to sell the popcorn. And I had the option, me in the moment, I could have taken it and manipulated them and twisted into getting a little bit more sales or volume or donation or whatever it was. But I also remember who I am in Christ and the witness and the testimony that comes from me as a, an ambassador for Christ with who has the ministry of reconciliation. It's my job not to push people further away from him. Right? Yes. 
So I had to choose. And of course, it was an easy choice, but it doesn't mean the enemy didn't try to throw that in there, you know, in the height of victory and yeah, I'm doing it. I'm making sales. Woohoo! We're winning. We're, we're earning money for Jesus's purposes. But you saw how quickly that thing tried to creep in there just to knock me off course. And now I'm extracting resources from people and no longer being a blessing, but now I'm being a taker and not a godly taker but I'm taking and extracting and then damaging or diminishing the witness of Jesus Christ. So it's our job to both be aware of what the enemy would try to do so that way we don't engage in it and fall into it, but also be aware that we don't become a stumbling block for other people. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. What else? And promise that word that's on there in the beginning of verse um, 16. Does that look familiar to you? Grumblers and complainers? Yes. What does God ask us to do instead? It's written on our board. No complaining, no grumbling, but be thankful for everything. What the scripture actually says is do everything without grumbling and complaining. <laughs> and a grateful heart. And giving thanks to our Lord. Right? Okay. So that's how we are supposed to live. <clears throat> but in this, Jude is also continuing his, I'll say, thought. Mm -hmm. Right? He's still warning and admonishing us about, I'll say, being wary of false prophets and teachers and those that would try to steal or twist or manipulate the word for their own gain, right? Yes. Not actually saying or ministering the things of the Lord. Um, the Apostle John also warns us about this in... Uh, well, especially First John, <laughs> many times. Um, I'll just cover a few of them. First uh, John two eighteen. He warns us. Says, "Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the antichrist is coming, even now many antichrists have come. By which we know, it is the last hour. And just like we've already brought up, they went out from us, but they were not of us." For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. Stating that there is a difference. The Lord exposing it and making it distinguishable or recognizable. Right? Um, and that's, that's just one, one of the places that he points out. Um, in First John chapter 4, mm. it talks about testing the spirits, right? Um, it even says about overcoming demons, right? You are of God, little children, have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. 
By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And there are constant reminders, but then also how we overcome, right? Because back going back to chapter 2, he says, You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things, right? He said, and, he, and this is in verse 20, and now 21, he says, I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth, right? And then he encourages us to let truth abide in us, to live in us. And then in verse 26, he says, These things I've written to you, this chapter, 1 John 2, verse 26, says these things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. And then immediately follows it up with, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Mm -hmm. It's not that we can't learn from each other. But who is a greater teacher than the Lord? Nobody. And his Holy Spirit, which he has sent us. Mm -hmm. In his word that he's given us. Exactly. In his word that he's given us. So that we may know, right? Isn't that also what Christ prayed in the Gospel of John? I've spoken these things, these things are written so that you may know. Yes. I believe Paul says something similar in Romans. They're written so that we may know. And not just that, right? Again, the Lord makes it distinguishable in Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians, chapter 1. All right. Paul mentions what the outcome is, ultimately. Right? Uh, so it begins in verse 8. It says, And flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness in the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in that Paul describes the outcome, but then also our outcome, if we remain. And that is the prayer, is that we remain. That was Jesus' prayer also in John 15. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. Right? And he also says that to his disciples. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and that your fruit would remain. But in that part, that section of Scripture we just read, Paul also makes an interesting statement. He talks about the Gospel of Jesus. And in Matthew, chapter 7, verse 15, the Lord brings it all together. 
right? Talks about the tree and the fruit and then also the outcome of these antichrists, whether they're false prophets, false leaders, people that have taught rebellion, right? Yes. While also admonishing or giving a warning, right? And exhorting, encouraging us to do the right thing, which is to follow the Lord with all our mind, heart, body, soul, and strength. He says, this is Jesus, during his earthly ministry, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Jesus very, I'll say, I, I almost want to say it so simplistically, so almost oversimplified plainly. the message. He stated it very plainly, absolutely. There, there was no way it should have been able to be misconstrued. And he is repeating the same message through Jude. And as we read, right, Paul and John. This is the, the outcome. This is also a sign how you will be able to know and tell. John, amp, I'll say, amplifies the message and say, we have the Holy Spirit. Like, let's not exclude him. That's how and who reveals, who allows us and, and is, gives us the ability to discern truth from a lie. And if you really study out Micah, the book of Micah, especially chapters 2 and 3, there's so much info in there given concerning evildoers. And it's interesting because he first starts in, in Micah discussing evildoers and the traits and characteristics in chapter 2. And then by the end of chapter 2 and, and all throughout chapter 3, he goes into, uh, I'll say the woes, given to false prophets and false teachers. And then you also see the characteristics there lined out. And there's no difference. Just because someone has the title of a prophet or a pastor or whatever, if they are not doing things according to the will of the Lord, they're not in right standing. It is what they're speaking is evil, right? Yes. Okay, so, but we should be wary and trust the Lord through the Holy Spirit that he will teach us and reveal the truth to us. And if it's a lie, he'll reveal that as well. So, are there any questions on that? Because there's a lot in there, I know. Anyone? I just had one comment in 12 where it talks about these are hidden reefs. Mm -hmm. I know your uh, version had a spot, mm -hmm. so a hidden reef mm -hmm. there. So reef is important uh, because they are dangerous, yes. and um, they may not be able to be seen at all depending on where they're located or see a little bit of them, almost kind of like an iceberg. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about a reef, like an ocean reef. So like yes. An ocean reef, yep. yes. 
that, yep. that is very damaging to a ship, mm-hmm. right? If it was to hit one, so mm-hmm. it has to be on lookout for them. Mm-hmm. And so just for me, there's a special reminder of um, we think that when we're in what we believe the ecclesia, the body or the church, that we're safe and that we can receive what people are saying to us without filtering it through God's word, or we can trust them. And uh, it doesn't mean that we should be distrustful, but it does mean that we should keep our guard up for these things because they, there are people among us who, if we're not paying attention, we don't realize that actually are there to harm us. Mm-hmm. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, the enemy doesn't take a day off on a technicality. So, um, and you know, Dean, you, uh, we've spoken before, but you have a wonderful example that you learned from your, your parents about learning authenticity and versus counterfeit. And just, just to summarize it, it's, you learn counterfeit by handling the truth, by handling the real thing. And so when we take the time to look at Jesus, when we, I, I like to think of it, you know, I, when we handle the hem of his garment, when we smell his breath, when we look him in the eyes, which is studying the word of God and communion and fellowshipping with him through his word and letting the Holy Spirit clarify and declare what Jesus means and he intends and his purposes to us, we begin to learn the truth. God's word is truth. And there's no other truth beside it. If it does not align itself with the truth of God's word, it is in fact a lie. So when we handle the word of God, when we look at Jesus, when we smell his breath and we play with his hair and we look him in the eyes and we see all that he's laid out for us, then we know when anything else comes to us and we hold it up against the, the beaming stature of Jesus Christ, we can see exactly where it falls, exactly where it lays. And as you know, Jude was talking about the identifying markers, and even you, honey, you laid out in Matthew, you know, what Jesus said, the identifying markers to let us know whether something is of God and of the truth or not. He makes it very clear. And so as he knows those things pose a danger to us, it's our job to go, okay, that's in fact where I'm safe. My hope is in fact in Jesus and what he's provided and done, not in a group of people, because a group of people can provide you nothing in and of themselves. It's only that they are filled, filled with the Holy Spirit, committed and submitted to the word of God, and in subjection to the lordship of Jesus Christ, can they through him produce any good thing to disperse or disseminate to anyone else. But the moment that that's not the case, we are in peril. That if we are just looking at people, you can do something for me, so-and-so, because you're at this location. Well, we, we see spiritually devils go to church. All the demons were met. A lot of them were in the synagogue throwing the kids around. <laughs> they were right there. They were amongst people that were seeking Jesus. They were in whatever place. There were, some of them were in caves and various other places, but they were still at the synagogue as well. They're still tares sown among wheat. They're still wolves in sheep's clothing. So when we look unto Jesus, we're safe because he will make aware, make us aware of what we should be aware of. There's an old saying that says, if you do not stand for something, you will fall for anything. In order for us to stand firmly in Christ, we must be able to stand firmly in his word. Mm -hmm. We can only do that. 
by feeding on his word ourselves. We can never rely on somebody else to feed us that mm-hmm. word. And that's why people will fall schemes mm-hmm. and victim, mm-hmm. victim mm-hmm. to the things like this that we're being warned about here. Mm-hmm. And we must stand by studying and spending time in God's word. There's no way to get around it. You can't shortcut that. That's right. And, you know, kids, you've heard me say this. When when I stand before Jesus, when you stand before Jesus, when anyone goes to that white <laughs> throne judgment seat of Christ, like the preacher said, he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And he won't want to hear, but the pastor told me. But the church guy said, but they did that. Eh. This guy on TV or a radio or podcast or, oh. It's, it, what did you do? Silence. It's a moot point. It's irrelevant because each man is judged based on their own works. And when he went to the servants with the talents, the question was, what did you do what I gave you? Not what did you do what I gave, with what I gave your neighbor or what your neighbor gave to you. It's me and you, Jesus and us. It's, it's singular. And there is no group that will be standing before him. There is no, it's one-on-one. So because you're accountable, because he gave you his word, because he gave me his word, I'm accountable for it and to it. So if there is a situation where you are falling victim in your life, I would say, did you look unto Jesus? Have you been walking closely with him? Did you take the time to look into his word and not just pass the time, not just check the box, but did you study and devour? Did you consume his word and make it, let it be made alive to you by the Holy Spirit? Did you welcome in Holy Spirit and let him in? Or did you just take the perspective? I'll read it based on what the pastor told me it said. And I let my eyes fall upon the words. We are responsible. Holy Spirit has been given into the earth. And he is here freely for every believer, everyone who will call on the name of the Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I don't say belongs to you, but not that you control him, but he's a gift to you. The gift of the Holy Spirit, that's free access. Absolutely. And Jesus made it very evident to us that it's important that we have him. He told the initial group that was waiting when before he ascended to heaven, wait here until you receive the gift from the father. Don't even leave until you get this gift. So likewise, us being disciples, that same applies to us. Get the Holy Spirit. And then when you get him, he's not just a pretty ornament, a decoration to put on the wall and go, okay, bye. He is here. He is alive. He is God. He has much to say. And he is the one who, the things that Jesus was not able to articulate to us because of the time, the Holy Spirit is the one who is carrying that out today or And he's finishing that and he's declaring what belongs to Jesus, what good things and what things to be aware of, what things we should avoid. How do we know um, in our our moment by moment what schemes the enemy is planning for us? The Holy Spirit tells you, even if there is witness, it gives you that little "Eh," feeling in your spirit. It's the moment to moment leading and guiding by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I, I know that was very pointed what I said, if you're falling victim to something, I would question and ask, did you take these steps? And I don't mean to sound pointed or harsh, but the truth is we are accountable for what God gives us. And the encouragement in that is that you don't have to be a victim. You don't have to fall prey to the 
plans and schemes of the evil one or even any person who is cooperating, yielding themselves to the evil one. You're not just subject to that and you're not just a helpless little lamb out there walking out, walking around by yourself and the, the, the lion is out there to get you and the wolf is out there to get you and God has left you alone. That's not the case. He's given us equipment. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us protection. He's given us his word. He's given us himself and his blood. Well, and there's everything, right? We were talking about Micah, or I brought up Micah, and it contrasts. Oh, actually, it doesn't contrast, but it, it. I'll say it in this way: it clearly, plainly distinguishes the things that evildoers, false teachers, false prophets, antichrists, however way you want to phrase it, are doing and have done. And really, it's a it's a stealing, it's a taking, it's a robbing of everything to include their their bread their livelihood i mean every aspect and, and i think the it, looking at isaiah 55 just the first first verse really actually i'll, I'll even read the first couple of verses because i think this is um i'll say the first three verses isaiah 55 1 through 3 we see the contrast between people operating out of the flesh and our Lord and Savior. And he says, oh, this is Isaiah 55, uh, 1 through 3. Everyone who's thirsts, come to the waters. And you, who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. The same covenant that he made with David is available to us, is what he's saying here. Isaiah clearly was at a different time than King David, right? But the Lord is saying the same thing and the same message, and it's free. We just have to come to him. He's not trying to take from us because the reality of, of things are, and, and this life is, there is nothing that we have that he could want except you and your heart. There's nothing we have to offer him that he can't create or make for himself. He's already done it. He just desires a relationship with you. He is the one feeding and blessing and nurturing and caring for and protecting and all the other things that you were discussing, mm -hmm. honey. Each and every one of us. And the same thing he does for me and you, or the same thing he does for you, honey. <laughs> same, mm -hmm. It's the same thing he does for me. It's the same thing he does for Dean and each and every one of our kids, and it's the same thing he will do for you. Mm -hmm. If you let him, when if, you let exactly. him. And Jesus said it this way, come unto me, all, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's just very simple. And that's what our Lord desires from each and every one of us. Will you let him? He is truth. The way, the truth, and the life. 
So I know there's a lot there. <laughs> We're going to pause there for today. So can I get a volunteer to close out in prayer, please? I'll do I'll, it. Do you want to do it? I'll do it. All right. <laughs> Lord, I just thank you for coming to our midst and just staying there for all our devotionals and being there when we need you and even when we don't need you. Not that you're a useless God, but you're there constantly to comfort and keep us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.